0: Everybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. So glad you guys are with us. I want to welcome all our online viewers. Can you say hello to our online viewers? Thank you for being with us. There's 10 people happy that you're watching online. I'm very happy. I don't know about the rest of these people, but so glad that you're with us. Uh, Hey, um, what an incredible worship service so far. I don't think I can top that, so I'm going to just have a benediction and close the service right now because that was just so stinking sweet awesome. Anyway, um, so glad that you guys could be with us. Uh, hope you're going to be with us, you know, in the next few days for the Christmas Eve Eve and Eve service. No no services on on Christmas Day. Um, and then, of course, we'll start right up again the first of the year. Amen. Uh, exciting times to be uh, in connect. Great things happening all around. Um, I'm going to open with a word of prayer specific to this uh, message and, and service. So if you just join me, I want to kind of calibrate us to connect with what God is going to say. Lord, I thank you for the spirit that's in this room. Thank you so much. Thank you for your anointing that breaks the yoke. Lord, some of us come from all different kind of places and spaces and head spaces, heart spaces. I pray, Lord, that you could just bring us into focus and fix our eyes on you. Your word says the author and finisher of our faith. So help us, Lord, as we build our faith right now. Strengthen us from your word. Thank you that your word is alive. Spirit in life. Come into our spirit man and nourish us and strengthen us, Lord. For the one who's struggling, I pray, God, that you build them up. For one that's doing really well, I I pray you make them stronger so they can help other people as well. Thank you, Lord, that in the middle of this season we have a church where we can we can be strengthened, and we can be in community with other people and grow stronger. Thank you so much for that. It's in your precious name I pray. And everybody said, "Amen and amen." Thank you, brother. Turn to your neighbor and Say, "Get ready, get ready, get ready." Get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> so we're in a uh, we're in a series uh, ent- entitled "Thrill of Hope." We've been talking about aspects of hope and. I've got like two more conversations I want to have in this series with you. The first one, how many of you here last week raised your hand by a show of hands? Oh, man, I am so proud of you. Good job. Uh, So I can review quickly then. Um, Last week, my assignment was to really uh, help you understand what hope is and how to get it. And um, we we, we spent some time uh, talking about that, but before I get into defining it again and refining it a little bit let me read this scripture from proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 this is kind of like the theme text of the series this and one other one the bible says hope deferred everybody say deferred Deferred. this is what i thought was going to happen this is what i was planning for believing for hoping for and it didn't happen it says hope deferred makes the heart what Sick. sick so it's interesting that it says heart sick not we're not talking about physical sickness and this scripture, nor, nor am I, minimizing physical sickness, okay? In fact, I think a lot of people are sick today that are not here. Um, so physical sickness is definitely an issue. In fact, there's certain physical sicknesses that I hate. I despise cancer. I despise certain dementia. I despise certain diseases that I believe God uh, wants to heal and, and, and change in our circumstances. However, this scripture is saying, and I submit to you, suggest, think about it, that heart sickness might be, the worst sickness of all, a heart sickness. Heart sickness where it leads to certain things in certain places. Now, the opposite is if our heart isn't sick, then the Bible says, you know, it's a longing filled as a tree of life. When, when we get what we hope for, it's like a tree of life. It's a blessing. It's a reward. But I want you to know something as we get going today and as we continue even on Christmas Eve and Eve Eve is that God wants to heal heart sickness more than any other kind of sickness. Can I have a better amen from more than five people? God wants to heal heart sickness, okay? And so we started on this. We talked about what hope is, uh, but we also talked about what hope is not. Hope is not, um, it's not uh, blind optimism. It's not wishful thinking. It's not even just even a goal um, or an aspiration. Uh, hope is something you can, you can grab a hold of. It's something solid. I like to say it's like an intangible tangible, Okay? <laughs> And so we kind of defined that. Uh, The definition we gave is hope is a confident expectation based on something solid. And there was an analogy that I didn't come up with, the Bible came up with, which I thought was incredible. From Hebrews chapter 13, it said that hope is an anchor for your soul. And we used that last week, right, how an anchor, you, you, you put it in the water, you can't see it, it goes to a certain depth, you have to kind of let it go, go into that unseen world. And then it grabs hold of something solid, secure, stable, stronger than you. Hope is like that. It's an anchor that grabs hold of something unseen. For what is unseen is... Temporary, excuse me, eternal, what is seen is temporary. God wants you to grab a hold of something, and that, that, that thing that he wants you to grab hold of is an anchor for your soul, is hope. But many people think hope is something that you have to do, but actually hope is something that you have to possess. Amen. Hope is something you, 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 you turn to your neighbor and say, you, you, you can have hope. You can have hope. And so it's yours. It's not pie in the sky. It's not, it's not just myths and fairy tales and dreams and things like that. Hope is something that people can have. And some people have it. It's amazing. Some people can have face equal or even greater negative circumstances than another person who doesn't have hope. And they overcome. It doesn't make sense Sometimes. I've seen two people come from the same family, siblings. One goes this way and one goes that way. One goes to hopelessness and heart sickness, and the other one goes to hope-filled, longings, uh, tree of life, blessing, reward. Amazing things happen because they had hope. It is something solid, something secure that you can have in your life. But here's the thing that I want to talk about today as a transition. Today I want to talk a little bit about the source of hopelessness. Christmas, I'll talk about the source of hope, but I want to talk about the source of hopelessness. What causes it? What's the root cause of that? Uh, The source of hopelessness for many people, not maybe all people, has to do with things that happened in our past. I want to talk about how our past affects our future. In other words, it's easy for us to hope the first time, but when it doesn't work out, it's really hard the second time. It's hard to have hope the second time because of maybe some hope deferred the first time. Are you guys tracking with me right now? Okay. And so it's hard to have hope in the future because of what didn't happen in the past. The hopes that we had were smashed, or for Christmas I'll say dashed. Okay? So... You know this to be true. Like when you were young, I'm, I'm a little bit older now, but as a young person, I had certain hopes and aspirations. I, I, I wanted to, to be this and I wanted to do that. When I was really young, I wanted to be a firefighter. When I got older, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. I don't care what miracle, what divine intervention there was gonna be. I was never gonna be an NBA basketball player, okay? I got my feet planted on a firm foundation. I got handles, but I never had the hops. Some of you guys, basketball players, know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, um, I worked so hard, but Lord. Anyway, I gotta move on. Uh, but some of you wanted, like, my father wanted to be the president of the United States. It's true. true. He, want, he truly wanted to be the president of the United States. And so he never became the president of the United States, he became the president of the corporation, right? He told everybody that, too. Don't you know who I am? I'm the president, you know? He really did do that. But anyway, uh, some people wanted to be uh, an Olympic athlete. Some people, to keep it real now, wanted to get married. And they're not. Some people wanted to have kids, and they can't. But they haven't at this particular point in time. And so what I'm trying to say is sometimes in the early phases, uh, there's an innocence. There's, a, there's an excitement. There's a you know, giddy about what could happen. You have hope for things, and, and, and you're excited about things. But as you get older... You take some blows. You have a certain life experience. Things begin to happen. Those hopes get smashed or dashed. And, and, and it's really hard to hope in the future because of the things that didn't happen in the past. And this leads to the sickness of hopelessness. It's a, it's a process. And sometimes, like, it's systemic in our soul, this particular issue. And so you'll come to church, and you'll be pumped up. You'll be excited. You'll hear some things that give you a certain amount of inspiration and, and some quotes that you can put on your refrigerator and some things that you can put out on Instagram. But how do I take what I got here and see it work out there? That's what we're going to talk about today. Turn to your neighbors. say, here we go. Okay. So how do we have hope in the future when our hopes in the past were smashed? What do we do? So I'm going to give you two stories in a second. A video is going to come up literally in like 30 seconds or less. And we're going to do a real-life story from somebody in our church. We're going to do another one on Christmas Eve. Um, this one is about how they overcame hope that were dashed in the past. On Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about God in the middle. When you're in the middle of a trial, what do you do? See, God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, but he's also God in the middle. That's what we'll talk about on Christmas Eve, and we'll get a testimony. So I'm going to give you a personal, real-life testimony from our church. Then we're going to look at, at another story in the Bible, and we're going to apply some promises, I like to say prescriptions, to our life. Check this Check this story out. It'll bless you.
1: Hi, I'm Danielle Montepeque.
2: And I'm Victor Montepeque. And
1: this is our story for God's glory.
2: Me and Danielle, we've been coming to connect for around five years now. We both serve faithfully in the worship team.
1: And we've been married for three years. And last year we were able to buy a home um, during the crazy season of the pandemic. So we've been called here because we were asked to give our testimony about how to have hope in the future when you've lost hope in the past. And specifically, uh, we wanted to touch point on one of the hardest seasons that we've actually been through in our whole life, in our whole marriage, and that was when we started trying for a baby last year. Um, It seemed like the right thing to do because we got a house. We got pregnant quickly, which is a very big blessing, but unfortunately we did go through a miscarriage about seven weeks in. That left us not really knowing what to do. We thought starting a family would be easy, it would be quick, the baby would come and that would be it, but unfortunately that was not our story. Um, We went in for an appointment, there was no heartbeat, and so the doctor said the next step would be to see if it would pass naturally. It didn't, so I had surgery, and that also didn't go as planned. But during that season, um, I would be in a place where I was pretty much close to depression. Um, I would be on the same place that I would be when Victor would leave and when he would come home, he would also see me in the same spot. But there was one thing that really kept me going.
2: As as husbands, you know, we have an obligation to support our family the best way that we could. and. One is to obviously go to work and you know financially support but on the way to work I would just pray over Danielle and even though that I had lost my child that you are in the father's arms and so um, and as I would come back from work I would see Danielle as she mentioned just lay on the couch and husbands that's where we have to draw a line in the sand and I pretty much as loving, but at the same time, as firm as I possibly could, I told Danielle to simply get up. And that's when uh, we had lots of difficult conversations. But in those difficult conversations comes progress. And I believe, you know, in those conversations made our marriage much stronger and pretty much gotten us to this point right now.
1: Exactly. Our marriage is much stronger than it ever was before. And since he told me to rise up and move past the sadness that I was feeling, we were then able to declare the plans that the Lord had for us, that we would have a child, that our next pregnancy would go to full term, that miscarriage would no longer be something that I would have to go through. And it came around several months later. that we did get pregnant quickly and it was a blessing and I was able to focus on, okay God, we can quickly have a child, but I wanna make sure we're able to you know, sustain this pregnancy. And so each and every day I would wake up and um, just say, I invite the spirit of life, I rebuke the spirit of death, I invite the spirit of peace, I rebuke the spirit of anxiety. And I just kept doing that each and every day, which strengthened my faith so much more in a way than I ever could have ma- could have imagined. And now we're here. <laughs> we,
2: as in this little guy right here. <laughs>
1: yes, our prayers clearly worked. And even even if we were to go through another loss again, um, I really loved that, what Victor said, that our child that we lost is in the Father's arms, and he's better off or she is better off in his arms than they ever would have been here. And like we just said, that child is so precious that God just had to have them. And now we've been blessed to be able to hold this child in our arms soon as he holds their sibling up in heaven. But what I really want to say to all the mothers out there and fathers or just couples going through a loss, trying to have kids, it's been years and still nothing has happened. Declare what the Lord has for you. Even if you don't know who your child is, we had a boy and a girl named Picked Out, and we would say those names in our prayers. In order to have hope for the future, you need to make sure that you have hope in your current circumstance. How could you expect something to come to fruition if you don't have faith in the now? So just keep declaring life over your child, over your family, and over yeah. your marriage, because at the end of the day, God knows the desires of your heart, and He will fulfill them.
0: Amen. Faith. Hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Amen. I love that scripture, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, the New Century Version, basically says that Jesus used this story. I want you to know something. You have a story that God wants to use for his glory. There are different things that have happened in your life. And it's so important that you share a story, we'd say in Christianity, a testimony. A lot of us don't have a testimony that we're giving away. God wants you to give it away. Christianity is breathing. You, you receive what you receive today, but you have to give it away. Amen. That's right. That's good. Amen. God will use that. God will use that to inspire people. And then you pray, the Bible says, it goes on to say, and pray that you never lose hope. You never lose hope. It's so important that we have hope in today's world. And so I want to talk to you about a guy who lost hope that might surprise you. Uh, This is a story from the Bible. So we heard a story from our church. Now we're going to one from the Bible. And this character is is Jeremiah. Everybody say Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet that we all know. In fact, we know he wrote the book of Jeremiah, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But there are scriptures in the book of Jeremiah that we often quote. Some of the most popular scriptures in all of Christianity are quoted uh, from the book of Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans to see you prosper, to give you a hope and to give you a future. What's interesting is that this prophet who was uh, communicating these things to us to inspire us and to instruct us, uh, he, he struggled with some of those very statements himself. He struggled to even believe it maybe at certain times or certain seasons of his life, not necessarily all the time. And he wrote another book in the Bible that we call Lamentations. Now Lamentations Lament is basically a, an entire book of complaints. That's why many of you don't know about it cuz nobody wants to read a whole book of complaints. Like let's go and let's just let's just go get fed on complaints. Right? <laughs> The Bible says to do everything without complaining or arguing in Philippians chapter 2. Why would I want to read a whole book on complaining? But there's this part in, the, in this particular, by the way, sidebar, parenthetical, this particular book in the Bible, Lamentations, is not necessarily theologically correct in what he says. It's just honest and raw. And what I love about the Bible is, is you get to see the real and the raw of people's lives. But you can learn from it. Can I have an amen? That's why God puts it there. And so this is, just, uh, this is just a person who is, is in despair, who's in discourage. It reminds me of a show I'm dating myself way back now uh, that I watched when I was a kid called Hee Haw. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, thank you. Thank you for some standing with me, not alone. Hee Haw. <laughs> this was just an old show, and it used to be this song, like, gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> You guys remember that? You know, <laughs> I forget how it all went, but anyway, deep dark depression, something misery and, and it was this song and they would just repeat this thing over and over and over again. It was and that's that's lamentations, gloom, despair, you know, agony. Uh, deep dark depression, misery. That that's how that's how he was. So reading from lamentations chapter 3 verse 19, you're going to see a change uh, from beginning to end, and it's going to be very applicable to our lives. He says in verse 19, I remember, I remember, God, that you told me that you're going to give me a hope in the future, but I remember these other things. I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness, and the gall. I well remember them. They're like, they're front and center. They're on the windshield of my mind. I can see them all the time. He's got an E or attitude. He's got, like we talked about last week from It's a Wonderful Life, he's, got, he's like George Bailey. He's, he's not physically sick. He's discouraged. You guys remember that? Yeah. You got to watch that movie this year. So help me God, I'm praying for some of you to watch that movie. Okay? My daughter-in-law told me she's going to watch it with me. Praise the Lord. But, but basically he said, every time I think about my past, this is what he's saying in summation, I lose hope. I lose hope. And I can't stop I can't help it. I I just remember it too much. He's dwelling on these things. So here's the thing. Past things keep us from future things. Okay? And so I want you to see in this verse kind of three uh, problems, three areas that are affecting his ability to move forward and see a more hopeful, hope-filled future. Now, this book, of the, this book uh, in the Bible is in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament original language is Hebrew. We read it in English, but it was originally written in Hebrew. Is everybody tracking? When you read the New Testament later, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, hold the horse wagon on. That's how I remember those books. When you read the New Testament, that's, we're reading in English, but the original language primarily is Greek, okay? Greek is more literal language. Hebrew is a more pictorial language, okay? So I'm going to give you an example of this when we, when we unpack um, these three things that will that, affect your future. The first one is, number one, write this down if you're taking notes, past problems. What is going to keep you from going forward and, and having hope in the future is your past problems. Jeremiah said it like this, I remember my affliction. Now affliction, uh, that word comes from an Assyrian word. That word affliction, in fact, there's a psalm that in Psalm 34, 19, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. So that word affliction comes from this, the, the Assyrians. And when they would uh, torment or torture somebody, in essence, what they would do is they would tie this person to a pole. And then they would pile rocks around this person one at a time. And it would be, it would be progressive And and, uh, slow, one rock at a time. And what would happen is, eventually this person would look like a rock, like a human Christmas tree of rocks. And what would happen is, as the rocks are getting piled up, they would slowly, coming under that pressure, they would begin to suffocate and eventually die a horrible death. What Jeremiah is saying is, that's how I feel. I have these afflictions. That, that's what I remember. I remember my afflictions. I remember when that person did this rock put upon me. I remember when that happened, rock put, a, put upon me. I remember when that person, I remember when that hope was dashed, and that hope was smashed. And there, the weight of that is suffocating me. I feel crushed. Are you with me, everybody? And so sometimes we have that. You, you were believing for a, a better marriage. You were believing for uh, your kids to serve God. You were believing for somebody that you prayed for. I remember this specifically, praying for somebody to be healed. I had this, this one guy, uh, he came from just a uh, broken, busted marriage. He had cheated on his, his, cheated on his wife multiple times. She was done with him. And at the same time, he had stage four cancer. He was desperate. So he met with me in my office, and I basically, he wanted to get healed uh, temporarily, but he didn't want to get saved eternally. So I said, young man, God doesn't make deals You're trying to make a deal with the man of God through God. You're trying to just make sure that everything works out okay here. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ first and give him your total commitment that you'll serve him all the days of your life no matter how long you live. And he said, I will. He got down on his knees, broke, and led him to Jesus, and he was saved. But then from that point forward, I prayed, and I was certain this man was going to be healed because of his surrender and his commitment. I believed it was, it was sincere. And every morning, I'd get up on my knees and pray, and every night, I'd get, I, I, I'd, I'd get on my knees before I went to bed and I prayed. And my, my friend, I remember carrying his picture out of my wallet for years after that. My friend died. But I remember, I remember that God was really instructing me in, in so many words later that, listen, when you cross from this life to the next, you know who's going to be one of the first people to greet you, Derek? It's going to be that man. Because he know, because he experienced eternal security. He experienced hope that, that is lasting and that is eternal. And so, yes, these temporary things didn't work out for you. But he got the most important thing when he received salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and, and I learned that. but. But I remember that feeling, though, and you have had those feelings at different times in your life as well. Job said, I was hoping for good, but evil came. I was looking for light, but evil came. And so sometimes, even though, uh, you know, we're supposed to hope, it's hard to hope in the future because of the different things that happened in the past. And we're looking a lot of times through the rearview mirror. We're looking through the mistakes uh, of our past and and we're looking at the problems, excuse me, of our past. And, and a show that I watched a long time ago, you guys remember this show, if, if, if you've um, been around a little while, a little bit newer than Hee Haw. So get ready, okay? Do you remember the show The Biggest Loser? Yes. All right, so basically lose as much weight as possible, make the most money. And so whoever lost the most weight, you know, wins the most money. But the, there was people extremely obese, and it was amazing to see the external transformations of these people. And so you were fixated to the show because you're like, wow, and then Wow. And, and what, what I found out later, and some people that follow the show found out later, if you did some research, is the way by which they lost some of the weight was not really healthy. In fact, in many cases, they not only gained the weight back, they gained more back and were worse than before. They had on the show an external transformation, but they really needed an internal transformation. Are you with me? And I can remember during the show, they would interview, not all the time, but some of the shows, the coach would become almost a therapist. And there would be these moments where they have these serious moments, and come on, why don't you unpack for me? Why is it that you're so compelled or driven to eat so much? What is it? And every time, they would say, it's because of something that had happened in their past. In other words, it it was the rocks and the weight of the things that had happened to them, and affected the weight on the inside, in essence, manifested in their case, on the weight that they were carrying on the outside. Their, 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 their hope for the future was affected because of the past things that had happened to them. And so how do we get rid of our yesterdays? We're going to get to that. The second thing that Jeremiah reveals to us that can keep us from a hope in a future that God has for us is past mistakes. Everybody say mistakes. mistakes. He says, I remember my wandering. So he's basically saying, this is, this is all me. This is all about me. This is about if you were in a, a program, let's say a, an addictive program or something like that, a lot of times they would say the reason you're struggling is because of your regrets. You need to deal with your regrets. You need to deal with uh, your disappointments, the, things that, the ways that you have gone off track and, and, and the things you wish you never did. This is the part that's on us. And those things keep us and they cause us to lose hope, which leads to sometimes a sickness in our soul. Job 27 said, Job said this, this is bad theology, but it's honest. He says, for what hope has the godless? Now, this particular translation, that word godless, is basically saying a person who makes mistakes. What hope has the godless when that person who makes mistakes, basically, when he is cut off, when God takes away his life? So when we make mistakes, does God cut us off? Does he take away our life? Absolutely not. But that's how how he feels. It's not true, but that's how he felt. That's what those past mistakes can do to us. That's what past problems can do to us. They can affect and they can skew our vision about our future. It reminds me of uh, how the past mistakes sometimes can get amplified. Um, But I read a, a, a story of a father who came into his son's room. He has a young teenage boy. He walks in the room looking for his son. Where is he? Where is he? He sees the room totally pristine, perfectly arranged, which was uncanny, uncommon. It's kind of eerie. And on the bed is a letter. He goes over to it. It's addressed, dear mom and dad. And he opens the letter, and he reads it, and this is what it said. It said, dad, mom, it's with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I've been finding real passion with her, and she is so nice. However, I knew you would not approve of her because of her piercings, her tattoos, her tight motorcycle clothes. Also, she's much older than me. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. She said that we're going to be very happy, so don't worry. She owns a trailer in the woods, and a stack of firewood is available for the whole winter. We share a dream of having many more children. She's opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anybody. In fact, we're going to be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people in the commune for all the cocaine and ecstasy we can get. In the meantime, we'll pray that science will find a cure for AIDS because she deserves it. (laughs) But don't worry, Dad. I'm 15 years old, and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure, we'll be back to visit so you can get to know all of your many grandchildren, love, son. P.S., Dad, none of this is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I, I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the school report card that is on your desk. <laughs> Call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> Isn't it true that sometimes our past mistakes can kind of blind us in our future? And, and disqualify us and, and cause us to believe things that are not necessarily true. But it's not true, is it? Right? The next one is the worst one. So the first one is stuff, um, it's stuff done to me. The second one is the things that I've done. And this one's the worst one. Number three is past relationships. Past relationships. What, ke- what makes us prone to hopelessness? The source of hopelessness is past relationships. Jeremiah says, I remember my bitterness and gall. So... Think about this for a second. Where does bitterness come from? It doesn't come from some inanimate object. It doesn't come from something. Bitterness and gall comes from someone. What someone did to us. How someone hurt us. How someone harmed us. Are you with me, everybody? What causes that bitterness and that gall is a failed marriage or a failing marriage. What causes that is wayward children. Hurting children, broken children. I just have an extreme burden for that right now in my spirit for for parents with broken, hurting children. I just want to know. I just want you to know that I believe, I don't know why, this is for somebody. I believe some somehow, some way in the next 12 months, there's gonna be supernatural breakthroughs for families with their wayward children in and through this church in Jesus' name. I declare that in Jesus' name over families. You apprehend that promise by faith in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. That was for somebody. It could be work conflicts, things with your boss, it could be a business dealings, a lawsuit against you. It's these kind of things. Listen, the things that are not the things that are causing you hopelessness are not how busy you are. Don't be misled. It's the things at the heart level, it's heart issues, not busy schedules. You gotta be careful about your busy schedule. But it's the heart issues that, that, are, that, are, that are stealing from you and causing your heart to get to a place of sickness. And, and this is the picture that Jeremiah paints. And I would just say to you, it's amplified in the holidays. It's amplified in the holidays. And one guy said to me, I hate Christmas. Why, why is that? Because I have to do two of everything at Christmas. Because my mother and my sister don't talk and they don't get along. And so because of what happened in the past, it's a disease that I have to appease in the present, and I hate it. I hate It, it causes tremendous stress. And so a lot of us have these relationship issues, and I would say that the greatest of all Job said, "All my intimate friends, Job 19:19, 19, 19, detest me, and those I love have turned against me." Failed relationships. See, we know, as Christ follows, most of us would know this, that God forgives you, Amen. but we don't sometimes. Experience somebody else 's forgiveness of us, right. and then sometimes we take it up a notch, and we can 't even forgive us. Right. 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 You can see how these things pile on like afflictions. all right are you with me everybody and so so God wants to we 'll talk about this in a while. God wants to release you from all that pressure. let that out though I heard about a cop who who uh, pulled over a guy who was speeding and and, and and the guy that was speeding kind of implored the cop, please. Officer, I'm just asking you for some mercy. This is really my first offense. If you look at my track record, you know, this, is very, this, is, this hasn't happened to me before. And I'm not saying that pridefully. I just humbly ask you to please reconsider this. I'm trying to get to an emergency situation. And the cop wrote the ticket, put it on his lap, and said, read it and weep. And he walked away. A few days later, he's at a softball game. The cop goes to the softball game. He's going to bat. And as he goes to the plate, the umpire is the guy he pulled over. He sees the guy, and he's like, this is going to be a little awkward, so he doesn't know what to say. So he says, hey, buckaroo, how did it work out down at the court? everything work out okay as he's getting ready, you know, to wind up? And the umpire says, all I can tell you is swing at everything. (laughs) Some of you know baseball. You get that, right? Some of you don't. Okay, that joke went over some people's heads. All right, I'll swing again (laughs) later. All right, so to get... To a place of hope, we have to get over our problems, our mistakes, and our past relationships. Now, the, the chapter changes. There's an alteration of behavior in the life of Jeremiah right in the same chapter. And I want you to see what happens and why. And you have a role just like he had a role in order to have hope in your heart. Are you with me, everybody? Lamentations 321 says... Jeremiah is speaking, yet I, I, I have all those past things, problems, mistakes, relationships, yet I call this to mind. Who called it to mind? He did. He called certain things to mind. He said, therefore, I have hope. So he had hope because he called certain things to mind in order to have hope. So some of you, you're never going to have hope in hopeless situations unless you call certain things to mind. Okay, He says, I'm going to call these things to mind because, number one, of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Um, And then he goes on to say, and this is where we get one of the most famous songs in all of Christendom. He says, because they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness, thy faithfulness. Can I have an amen? amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, great is his faithfulness. But what we learn is the secret to overcoming these bad thoughts is we're going to have to have new prescriptions yes. for our current thoughts, yes. okay? And sometimes I like to use promises of God. They're interchangeable with prescriptions of God if we do what the promises say. Yes. We, have to actually, we have to actually do what they say. So I want to give you three things because those first three things are writing the wrong resume for your soul. To have the right resume for your soul, you got to do these three things. Number one, you're going to have to refocus your mind. Everybody say refocus. So again, he said, I call this to mind. Everything, I don't care where you go, who you are, what status you are in life, everything starts with how you think. My daddy used to tell me the cycle of to get to the right behaviors is thought, word, deed. Thought, word, actions. You can't change this how I feel, what's happening in my life until you change the way you think, everybody. Are you with me? Yes. Joyce Meyer, a sister in the last service, quickened me in this particular example. But Joyce Meyer, some of you, how many know Joyce Meyer? Raise your hand if you know who she is. Okay. This is one of the most famous female speakers in all of Christianity for decades, literally decades. But this woman, what, why she's so famous? Why is she so influential? Is because, it's harsh, but she was molested and abused by her father for many, many years. And, she, and le- instead of letting those happenings, that, that, those hopes that were smashed, instead of letting that define her future, she decided to see through a different lens, and she took God's word, she let God's word change the way she thinks, renew her mind. She let it not to be a promise but a prescription, and it literally changed the way she, she, she thought, the way she saw the world, and the way she behaved. So much so, she almost saw, and she's even referred to it, I didn't say this, almost as a gift. In, in some respects, she said, I wouldn't change anything because of all the things God has done in me and through me. Yeah. Only God could get a person to say something like that. And since then, she has influenced millions upon millions of people. She has hope in spite of the fact that she had those horrible things happen in her past. Are you with me? It doesn't happen if she didn't renew her mind. Romans 12 tells us, let God, everybody say who? God God, transform you, not inform you, into a new person. Not the person who's abused. I'm not defined by what happened to me. I'm not defined by what I do or what was done to me. I'm defined by who I know and who knows me. And that's what changes the way I think. Are you with me? God's word is right thinking. And I can't help but say this about you guys in your Bibles. When you're getting ready to go into the new year, and it would be a good time to, starting, to renew not only your mind, but renew the habit of reading your Bible. Amen. Can I have a better amen than six people saying I'm going to read my Bible this year? You should read your Bible every, si- I read my Bible every single day of my life, okay? I don't think I am qualified not only to be your pastor, but to handle life without reading Bible. Do you know you don't read your Bible just to read your Bible or to fulfill a, a, a reading plan? You read your Bible to renew your mind. Yeah. Because everything in the world is trying to rob the way you think and steal your thoughts and give you new thoughts. You read your Bible so it can read you and lead you. I'm getting fired up right now, but we need to fall in love with our Bibles, amen, and read our Bibles. I was reading, I memorized this verse a long time ago, 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, study. That's why, that's why you do Bible study. To show yourself approved, a workman does not need to be ashamed. A lot of times we're ashamed in our relationship with God because we haven't studied his word. We don't know how he thinks. We don't know what he says. We don't know his ways. Right. So why would you want to go talk to a guy that you don't know anything about? At some point you won't. Right. Just a thought. It's a good thought. So study to show yourself approved, a workman does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that particular verse says you're supposed to be a student of God's word, listen, and a surgeon of God's word. That means you don't just study it to feed yourself. You're supposed to become a surgeon to to know how to use it in certain situations for yourself and for other other people in other places. So God wants to give you prescriptions specific to situations that bring hope to people. It's so quiet in here. I don't understand. I don't get it. Talk to me, okay? I'm just trying to get you to see you study these things to be a student and a surgeon. So and here's what happens: if you don't do that, you're just gonna be living for the fire insurance. A lot of people are just living, just come to church. I just want to be. I just want to make sure I get in. I just get in, you know. And and we don't surrender to the disciplines of the faith because we're afraid. I call it mud hut theology. We think God's gonna send us to some foreign land. You know, we're gonna be in some place where there's no electricity, no air conditioning, no comfort. Cr- cr- you know, creature comforts. You know, mosquitoes are going to be eaten alive if I totally surrender to God. And meanwhile, you miss out on the best thing that God has for you because you haven't surrendered to the disciplines of the faith that are there for your benefit. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 4.18 says, Many are far away from the life of God because they've shut their minds against Him so they can't understand His ways. Psalm 1 says, I'm fired up on the word today. It says, blessed is the man whose delight is in the Lord. In it doth he meditate day and night. He meditates. What's going to happen to him? He will be like a fruitful tree planted by the waters of the Lord. So he is fruitful. He is rooted. He is blessed according to Psalm chapter 1. But you're going to have to chew and stew and meditate on the word for that to happen. And when you do, it renews your mind. And when your mind is renewed, you have hope. And you can be a hope dealer for other people. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good preaching. (laughs) All right, number two. Number two, in order to have hope in your future, hope in hopeless situations, you're going to have to release your past. You're going to have to release your past. The thing that's got people sidelined is they're hanging on to the yesterdays. They're looking through the rearview mirror. They're not looking ahead. They're not pressing on. They're, they're, not, they're not seeing through a, a clean windshield. They're, they're, they're not facing their, uh, you know, embracing their tomorrows because they're hanging on to their yesterdays. One of my mentors, Billy Hornsby, my pastor's father-in-law, his mother from Louisiana discipled him, and she'd always have these little phrases. She'd say, you know, Billy, you, you, stop it. You, forget about it. Forget about it, Billy. Forget about it. Forget about it. You, why you, got your, you got your tail up over the dashboard. Forget about it. Stop getting your tail up over the dashboard. You know what, Billy? You got the world by the tail. You got the world by the tail. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got the world by the tail. <laughs> Isaiah 43, 18, the Bible says, forget the former things. Stop dwelling on the past. I love what Victor said to his wife. You know what? In so many words he said, I said it as nicely as possible, but I was very strong, so it's time to get up. It's time to get up, honey. You, I, I left this morning. You were on the couch. I came back. You're on the couch. The only way out of this, you're going to have to get up. In other words, you're going to have to move forward. You're going to have to forget your path. You're going to have to move, take some action. Are you with me? Right? But why doesn't that happen sometimes? Sometimes I think, again, it's bad thinking. It's bad theology. See, when you got saved, how many you saved? Say amen. amen. If you got saved, Jesus dealt with the consequence of your sin. And most of you know that. that's why you have certain confidence that if you drew your last breath, you'd absent from the body, you'd be present with the Lord. Yeah. If you didn't have that confidence, you'd all be freaking out at some level. Some of you might still freak out a little bit, but it's not that you're, it's not death that freaks you out. It's getting dead that freaks you out. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of dying. I just want to die quick. right? Pray for that. Okay. I mean, you should. I'm, I pray for it. I'm like, God I just want to be walking and just. Take me up in a chariot. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I want to go. I'm serious. I pray like that. I watched how my daddy went. I don't want to go like that, okay? But anyway, right. So Jesus, you know that Jesus did this, but sometimes I don't think you realize what he did right here. So he dealt with the consequence when you got saved, but he also wants to help you with your conscience when you got saved. So what happens is people's bad theology, they think, when I sin or when something's bothering me, when I got a past mistake, a past relationship, past problems... Uh, I'm aware of that. Then I, then I think I need to get saved again. You don't need to get saved again. Right. Jesus was a once and for all sacrifice. He paid for it. He's not getting back on the cross. And you don't have to get saved again. What you have to do is repent again. Right. Right. And repentance means to change the way you think. Because I was thinking this. And now I'm sorry. I'm going to start thinking like you. Are you getting this? And so Jesus provides not only the the payment for the consequences of your sin, but he provides the sprinkling of his blood, which is a New Testament idea, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, for a clear conscience. And why is that important? Because a lot of the reason you have hopelessness is because you're carrying the weight of the world on your conscience. Your conscience is seared. Your conscience is overwhelmed with past problems, mistakes, and relationships, and that's why you don't have hope. Are you with me? Right. So when, when, if you want to change that, you just got to repent. I'm sorry I fall out of agreement with the way I think, and I come into agreement with the way you think. Alleluia. That's good preaching right there. Alleluia. This tattoo artist was writing on a guy's shoulder, and another man walked in, and he was writing, Born to Lose, right on it. And the guy said, Why would anybody want to put that on his arm? And the artist said, Already on his mind. It was already on his mind, everybody. And so he does not, God does not treat us, by the way, with what we deserve. Did you guys realize that? Psalm 103 verse 10 tells us, or repay us according to our iniquities. Instead, as far as the east is from the west. So far, everybody say so far. He has removed our transgressions from us. The one translation says he remembers our sin no more. I want to change the way you see God. Yes. Your view of God determines your relationship with God, which will determine the hope you have in God. Amen. God it wants to let you off the hook. Stop holding yourself up on that hook. Okay? Amen? All right, got to move on. There's so much more in here. Number three, last point. You're going to have to renew your heart. If you're going to get over hopelessness, You're going to have to have a renewal in your heart. Will you stand your feet? I want to pray for you. And I'm going to share this one last story with you and pray with you. You're going to have to renew your heart. Uh, You guys know, some of you know, because I've been very real about this. My dad passed on November 9th of this particular year. But my dad actually had almost died many years ago at 29 years old. He had a heart attack at 29 years old. And his dad, by the way, had a heart attack at 39. His dad had a heart attack at 49. And on my 19th birthday, I was sweating bullets with <laughs> some kind of weird 10-year generational curse. How many know it was broken in Jesus' name? Amen. My daddy broke that curse. We're curse breakers. But 29 years old, he had a heart attack, and he almost died. He could barely tie his shoes. He was obese, a very unhealthy, became a very healthy person. We used to call him in the house. We used to call him the doctor. We would go to Dad before we go to a doctor any day of the week, A to pray for us and B to prescribe maybe some natural holistic opportunity to get better and actually experience real wellness instead of just symptomatic care. But at 29 years old he had a heart attack, and I remember just learning about that disease. and what interestingly enough, the first thing they measured was all external symptoms. Like they just they, they're doing his blood pressure and they're, they're, they're doing all these things on the outside. But it had nothing to do with really the real problem was everything was connected to what was going on on the inside. I learned that day that what they were measuring was through outside means what was actually happening on the inside. Everything I learned that day was connected to the heart. And see, God wants to, I was amazed that uh, Whitney uses this particular text from Ezekiel chapter 37. God wants to give you a new heart a new heart because none of this stuff changes until you have a change of heart you don't have hope until you have a heart change would you close your eyes let me pray for you i can think of no better thing for you to receive in this particular season in the world than a heart change i believe a heart can change in the presence of god in a moment i believe this my entire pastorate that a heart can change in a second in a moment I will say this, your life, your character, your discipleship is a journey. It is a process. And so if you're new to the Connect family and you're on the fringe, it is time for you to stop living on the fringe. In fact, if you're a frequent flyer, you need to come in a little bit closer, and become a part of the family. It's not a perfect family, but if you really want to change, you really want to grow, you really want to become a follower of Jesus Christ you got to join the journey and become a part of this spiritual family. Go to next steps for the first of the year. Get inside a small group. You need to join the journey. But the first thing for you to do, you have to not just experience the presence of God, for you to experience the presence of God, you actually have to open the present of Jesus. The most important gift that God gave us was the gift of his son. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm coming for some people in this room that maybe. You first-timers, far from God, never, ever made that connection. You never made that connection with Jesus. You're not certain. If you want to have hope in a hopeless situation, I promise you, you're not going to find it somewhere else through something else. The world doesn't have it. It's not out there. It's right here. I say that with total confidence, you will not have hope eternally and in this life without Jesus at the center of your life. And God sent his son into the world so that, because he's so loved, so that you can have a relationship with him. But you're going to have to open the door of your heart and the handles on the inside of your heart and only you can open it. And if that's you and you know God is speaking to you, I want you to raise your hands. and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to leave today without knowing that Jesus is in my heart and making me a new person. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for your boldness and your courage. Thank you, sir. Thank you in the back there. Thank you so much. Good and high so I can see it. Thank you, sir, over there. Thank you. Amen. You can put your hands down so good. I see you, brothers. Thank you for your courage. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you join those that just raised their hands? Would you say this? Say, Jesus, today I make you by grace through faith, unmerited favor, and by faith in what you did for me, the anchor of my soul, my salvation, is based on what Jesus did not what I could do or would ever do I transfer trust to the finished work of the cross right now father for every person who prayed that prayer seal it seal it so they know that if they were to draw their last breath they're okay they're good not because of any good things they've done but because God was good. He was perfect. He lived the sinless life. They could have that confidence that if they stood before God and he said, why should I let you? And they could say, because Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Now, if you're here today and you've, you've, you've drifted, you've drifted, you're not divorced from God, you've drifted from him. God is calling you, in accordance with Revelation chapter 3, to make Him your first love again. Don't wait for the first of the year to make big changes. Make the change today. How many of you know that you need to make God your first love? And in order for you to have hope in a hopeless situation, He needs to be first. And if God is speaking to your heart about making Him first again, you know Him, but you're distant from Him, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, pray. Good and high. Don't be shy. Be courageous. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, all over the room. Keep those hands up as the worship team comes up right behind me. We're believing for changes right now. Father, I pray for every person as we sing this worship song. I pray that what you say, it's true. And it can be counted on. We can trust your word. I pray that you renew their faith. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. That their first love would be you. That they remember the height from which they'd fallen. That they would look up. They would look up to you whence their help said, comes from. It comes from the Lord. Come on, church. Can we give God a big hand
1: clap for new faith, new salvations in Jesus' name? Amen.